Let's uh, let's take your Bible. Go to Philippians. Philippians chapter number one. Going to be back in Philippians tonight. And um, I, I printed out uh, I printed out some outlines just so I knew. I try I try to condense these last three weeks down um, into into somewhat manageable uh, manageable form, and it, it, it won't be near as uh, it won't be near as big as what you is what it looks like on paper. So just just calm down. Um, so I, I I recently I was reading Romans chapter number one, studying around through Romans chapter number one. And when when you go and look at, at, at I mean not Romans Philippians uh, chapter number one when you go and look at Philippians uh, it, it's a it's a different book it's kind of a the way it's written is kind of different and uh, I think part of the reason uh, that it's different to me is because what you find in the book of Philippians is a whole lot of tribulation um, there's a whole lot of of things going on in the Apostle Paul's life and. And, and what a lot of people skip over when they're reading Philippians and, and even Ephesians and Colossians and Philemon is that these are prison epistles. Like these, these epistles were written from a, a prison in Rome and this is where Paul is housed, right? being housed right now. He's being housed in a prison in Rome. Uh, and, and it's what's another interesting thing, it's not for a short amount of time. This is a two-year sentence. He is being housed for two years in Rome for preaching the gospel. And why? Why you say, man, I, that that's not a real big deal to me? Well, I don't know how many of us in here um, ha, ha, would be able to have the same mentality that the Apostle Paul had. But it, but it is interesting to kind of wrap your mind around and put yourself in that position uh, that Paul's in, and in understanding, uh, man. That life is bigger than my circumstances, right? Life is bigger than my circumstances, and so I, I've been I've been reading uh, this this book in general a, a little bit, and just trying to get trying to get my mind wrapped around this idea of being in the middle of one of the most and one of the the biggest trials of my life, and, and put myself in the Apostle Paul's shoes. Being in one of the, the biggest trials of my life and having joy, having real live joy. Well, one of the things that, that I found in uh, Philippians chapter number 1 is five times the word gospel is mentioned. Five times. Five times the words, uh, the words gospel is mentioned. And, and I want you to see them. So, so Philippians chapter number 1, uh, I want you to look at these, these five times. That the, the gospel is mentioned. Uh, Philippians 1 and verse number 5. The Bible says, for your fellowship in the gospel. And, and then in verse number 7, it says, uh, it says in the def- and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And then you go over to chapter number 12. It says, for the furtherance of the gospel. In verse 17, for the, uh, I am set for a defense of the gospel. And, and then uh, again in verse number 27, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. So we got five times in, in Philippians chapter number one, and this entire, this entire idea that Paul's trying to get us to see is that real joy is founded in the gospel. That real joy is founded in the gospel. And so I want to take just a minute and I, I wanna I wanna make 
I want to make that point uh, with, with a couple of things. No, number one, um, I, I want to make that point with, when we're talking about fellowship. Okay, I, I used this idea of fellowship the very first week that we taught this. And, uh, and, and this is becoming a bigger deal for me um, because we live in a world that is on a relentless pursuit of happiness that has no actual joy. They, they have a whole lot of happiness, and, they, and, and, they, and they're happy at times, but they have no real joy. They have no real peace, and they have no real joy. And, and, and so what has been so what the world has sold to us as, as profitable and as happy actually has no founding in it. And so when I'm looking at this, this whole thing, I, I'm looking and I'm trying to figure out, all right, so, so Paul's idea of joy all stemmed from the gospel. It all stemmed, and, and so we looked last week, what is the gospel? Well, 1 Corinthians 15 uh, says it's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the first four verses. The death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we just, you know, they just got back from a Bible camp. Romans 1.18, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, uh, both the Jew for, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So we know that there is a power, the power of God is in the gospel. Does that make sense? That the power of God is in the gospel. Now what am I talking about when I'm trying to get this idea of joy, of joy coming from the gospel. And so we look for, at the first week on fellowship, on fellowship. And, and look, we call a lot of things around here fellowship, but they're not real biblical. Uh, sometimes they're not real biblical fellowship. Uh, we call church events fellowship, and we call our family nights. Sometimes we call them fellowship. And, and 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 even like our our uh, you know our cornhole tournaments or all the stuff that we do as as a group, we would say that we're fellowshipping. What we say that that we're fellowshipping, okay? But but Paul paints it out a little bit different, and even First John does. Uh, the the I, just listen to this verse, if you're First John uh, chapter one and verse verse number three. That which we seen and heard declare we unto you. That you may, uh, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son and with uh, and with the Son Jesus Christ. And verse four says, "In these things write we unto you that your joy may be full." Why is that such a big deal? Well, because we may do things here in this church that look like fellowship, but if they're not tied back. To the Father and the Son and His Son Jesus Christ. If if there if the understanding is is not in the gospel, that our fellowship is not bound in the gospel, then we can have acquaintances and we can have friendships. And you know, how many of you understand that a lot of our churches are really segregated? Uh, they're segregated based off preferences of people. Uh, based off of social standing, based off of tax brackets, uh, based off of color, based off there's a, there's various things that our churches are segregated on. Would you don't, don't that make sense? All right, but but I want you to I want you to get why I believe the founding the 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 reason that 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 thing is such a deal. I I think that we find places, church buildings 
that have the people that we like in those buildings. The people that like the things we like, we, we are drawn to them. And the things that look, they look like us, they talk like us, they, they do all the stuff that we, hey, we like that, and so they like that, and so we just find each other. Does that make sense? Okay. But Paul, Paul never knew such a thing. Well, what did he know? He knew fellowship with other people in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was what his fellowship was. His fellowship was in the gospel with other people. And so we looked at these, these five things. Fellowships found the church of God. It's shaped in the mission of God. It's centered in the, on the will of God. It's sincere in the people of God. And then fellowship wants to see other real fellowship birthed. It wants to see other real fellowship birthed. It, it, mean, it means that, that you want to see other people fellowship. And that's why it's so important to get this point. Because if, if you can't, man, if you can't fellowship with somebody that you don't have a certain ideology with outside of the gospel, then you're missing, then me and you are missing the mark, right? So I ought to be able to, we ought to be able to fellowship for no, our, and our fellowship ought to be deep for no other reason then me and you are in the gospel ministry together. Like I've been saved, you've been saved, and now we are in the ministry together. That's what Paul, that, that's how the longing that Paul had for this church in Philippi, that's what that was. Like he's in a prison cell, and the Bible says that he longed to see them. Why did he long to see them? Well, because he understood the deepness behind being in fellowship with another person in the gospel ministry. And let me say this, you're never going to find a deeper connection than those that you actually fellowship with in the gospel. Why? It's way thicker than blood ever thought about being. You're, you'll, you'll find out that, that when you fellowship with people, when you really fellowship with people in the gospel, and it ain't you, they don't have to be just like you. They don't have to like the same things as you do. They don't have to go the same places. They don't have to listen to the same music. They don't have to do the same thing. Well, then here's what ends up happening. You end up developing a bond based off of based off both of your identities in Christ, and nothing else identifies you. You don't have to have the same kind of things. Well, now you are identified, and it don't matter what, what you do and what I do. We're, our common bond is no longer what we do. Uh, you, you know, you remember in school when you pick friends, you usually pick friends based on what they did, right? Like whether they talked like you, whether they did the same thing you did, and, and, and you know, if they did the same sports or they liked the same thing. You, I mean, I didn't hang out with people uh, that, that didn't like you know, didn't like ride four-wheelers. and you know, The stuff I like to do as a, as a boy all the time, I just wasn't friends with people. But here, as I, as I, as I look at the Bible, I, I see that God is not doing things like I do things. And so God don't want His church done like the world does things. God wants His church built like, like He wants His church built, right? And, and he, so He wants our fellowship to be uh, centered, around, uh, centered around the gospel. And then... He wants our growth to be centered around the gospel. He wants our growth to be centered around the gospel. And, and we looked at three things last week. Uh, they needed to increase. They needed to grow in love. 
And, and so Paul, Paul's uh, prayer for them was that, that, that they would grow in love and then uh, their increase in their love and, and, and knowledge and judgment would fall out to truth being lived and truth being preached. So, so because their love grew in knowledge and judgment, they now had a better, they now had a better understanding of what it meant to live and preach what they were increasing in. Does that make sense? So, so, so I, I, actually, I actually can't live and I can't preach what I'm not walking in. I mean, I can. I'd just be a hypocrite. And I'm a hypocrite now sometimes, still. But sometimes I'm still a hypocrite. And I don't mean to be, but, but I am. But I couldn't, I couldn't physically get up here every week. I couldn't. There's plenty of people who can. But I couldn't physically get up here and, and, and preach something to you and teach something to you and try to live something out uh, that I said grew in me that really didn't grow. And so Paul's idea was, hey, listen, what you're growing in, the love that you're growing in, in knowledge and in judgment, and yeah, you should grow in love and knowledge and judgment. You should be able to prove things are excellent. Like your love. You ought to, be, you ought to grow in such love that that love approves things that are excellent. Amen? That's what God's called us to. He's called us to preach the truth in love. We ought to be able to discern. We ought to be able to prove the things that are excellent. And, and, and then this, uh, and then the, that last thing we did with the, the ongoing nature of being filled with the fruits of righteousness. The ongoing nature of being filled with the fruits of righteousness. And 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 so this week uh, we we got we got about thirty minutes. We're, we're going to look at this next one. Um, we're gonna, we're going to look at this next one, and we're going to start there in verse number twelve. Um, and and I want to look I want to look at uh, joy. In a gospel-centered, a gospel-centered perspective, joy in a in a gospel-centered perspective. Let me let me let me pray, and then we'll we'll read a little bit. Lord, I pray that you bless tonight. I pray God that you're honored by it, and I pray God that you help us to see God. Um. Lord, I'm I'm 41 years old, and and Lord, uh, boy, it'd be it'd be really cool if there were some people that didn't have to wait till their 40s to figure out that the joy uh, that it didn't come outside of of anything other than Jesus Christ and in the gospel that you've given us. Lord, I, I pray to you blessed tonight. I pray God that you're honored by it. in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, still uh, centered in on this idea of joy. Look, look at verse number 12. Verse number 12. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that in my bonds, uh, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So, so, so here we are. Uh, when, you, when you go back and you look at the things that happened to the Apostle Paul, they're, they're pretty drastic. Um, Paul's had, had a really rough life. He's faced a lot of opposition since he's came to Christ. 
And and so 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 what we see though, and when we look at this thing, and from a real practical perspective, he says, "But I would ha- I would you should understand." He's talking to his Philippian church, and he said, "I would that you should understand, brethren." And now he's, remember, he's in he's in a prison in Rome. The things which happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. Now this is Paul's mindset. All the bad things that's happened to me so far, they have literally fallen out unto the furtherance of the gospel. Now, I, 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 I think uh, first, maybe uh, number one there uh, in your deal, what happens when Paul was persecuted for his faith in Christ? What happens when Paul's uh, persecuted for his, his faith in Christ? Now, all of the things that happened to Paul, there's, there's a lot of things that's happened to Paul. Uh, imprisonments, uh, persecution, he's, he was kidnapped at one time, he was beaten, he was threatened, he was whipped, he was arrested a bunch of times. Uh, he's interrogated, he's ridiculed, he was shipwrecked, he was bitten by a viper. There's a whole lot of things that, that happened to the Apostle Paul in the midst of and, and I think it's important that we understand that Paul's perspective to gain the joy in his heart, he needed to encourage this church at Philippi was, church, you need to understand something. That all this bad junk that's happened to me, it has, it has fallen out rather to the furtherance, the goings forth of the gospel. So that in my bonds in Christ, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace. So in Caesar's palace, all of, all, listen, here's what's happening. Paul's able to preach to Roman guards on the regular. But, but he's saying, he's making sure that they know that all the things that's happened have not drawn him away from his purpose. They have not gotten him away from his purpose. No, he sees the things that's happened as an avenue to glorify the Lord in everything that he's doing. And so it's a big deal. Why, why is it a big deal? Well, because it's crazy that Paul even still has any joy for one. His life's been turned upside down. And you know what? You know what I find that most people do when their life gets up uh, turned upside down. They get bitter. They get bitter. They get they they lose their joy. They you know what happens? They start focusing on themselves. Like everything's going crazy, everything's going haywire. I'm going to focus on myself. I'm not going to focus on Jesus Christ. I'm going to look at my life. I'm going to look at the things that I've got. I'm going to have a pity party. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to feel bad for myself. And the focus quickly gets off of Christ. But, but man, what a testimony and what an example and what a sermon to preach to this church at Philippi. Hey, guys, I need you to understand something. All these things has happened to me. And they're really just pouring gasoline on the gospel flame. Like I've been locked up. I've been, I'm, they, they, you know, there's some historians say that Paul was chained to prison, Roman prison guards for six hours at a time. And they would work in six hour intervals. There's, there's a lot of people 
uh, the, the, the Bible says that there are saints. Now, Brother Sean, I, I, don't know, I, I don't know what you come to the same conclusion I do, uh, but when the Bible says that there are saints in Caesar's household, there's a real good chance that the only way that those saints got to Caesar's household was because the apostle Paul was locked up in the household of Caesar. And actually won Roman guards to the Lord. And now there are saints in Caesar's household. Now why, why, is, why is that such a big deal? Well, because he could have took the victim role. He could have got the victim mentality real quick. And he said, instead of Christ being magnified through all of that nonsense, he could have gotten the victim mode. He could have went into victim mode, victim mentality, and said, it's all about me, it's all about me. He wasn't worried about how his life was going. And, and, what, what, and, and another crazy thing he's doing is he's handing that mentality off to another church. You know, it's one thing to live like that. It's another thing to give another person that mentality. It's one thing for you to live like that. But it's, one, it's a whole other thing. You know what, when it's real, Brother Sean? When you give that mentality to the next person. We all understand that discipleship is only, it's only real if you, give it, if you give it to another person. Hello, somebody. You realize that, but be, making disciples only happens if you actually give it to somebody else. If you actually hand down Jesus Christ to somebody else. If you actually hand down the things that you've learned to somebody else. Does that make sense? And so what Paul did is, is he handed this thing down. Persecutions, trials, and afflictions. It, it, I think uh, this is one of your blanks. Persecutions, trials, and afflictions opens... Hearts of the lost. Opens, if there's typos, Jordan didn't read none of this, by the way. Opens hearts of the lost. Why? Because people don't care when your life's perfect. Everybody understand that? People don't care when your life's perfect. People care when your life's falling apart, though. People care when your life is turned upside down. Why? Because that's when they know who you are. I don't know who you are in the daylight. I know who you are in the night. I don't know who you are when we're together. I know who you are when we ain't together, though. Why? Because that's really who you are. And, and here's what Paul's, here's, here's, here's what's happening. His bonds or him being bound was the very thing that provided him the ability to be fruitful. And, and, and so, I look at people all the time, and man, I, wishing their life away. Man, I wish my life was different. I wish this. I wish that. And all the time in their bonds, in their trials, in their afflictions, in their persecutions, they're wishing those things away when in actuality, who your audience is. In that moment in time, is who you're looking over every single day. Right, look, look at Ephesians 6 and verse 19. 
and for me that utterance may be given, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Uh, Colossians 4 verse 3, with, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Look, look, at, look at Philemon 1, it's in your notes there. In 1 verse 10, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, who I have begotten in my bonds. And being bound in his bonds, he 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 begotten. He had he had seen Onesimus birth into the family of God in his bonds. Everybody see that? That's a big old deal right there. Why? Because Paul was a prisoner of Jesus Christ, not a prisoner of Rome. Now I want I want to say I want I want I'm going to say something to me. I'm going to say something to you. Who are you a prisoner of? Because a lot of times we act like we're more prisoners of this world than we're prisoners of Jesus Christ. For, I, I mean, for real, we we want the world to be different. And I, I and I, I say Amen right here. And God convicted me, God convicted me of this little thing. I want the world to be different so bad I can't see straight. Like I'm tired, I'm so tired of the of the agenda of this world till it ain't even funny. But I'm not a prisoner of the world. And sometimes I live like I'm bound by the world and not bound by the gospel. We need to get back to the place to where we realize we're the world's our audience, man. And a lot of times we're them jokers are captive at some point in time with us. And we get the lockjaw. Look, look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. You ready? But the word of God is not bound. The word of God is not bound. See, there's two kinds of perspectives that, that uh, to, to look through as you look at your life. You can look at your life your way, or you can look at it God's way. And and and, and you want to, you know, you want to you want joy in what we call craziness. Yeah, I mean, I do. Don't you, don't you want joy in, in the middle of all the asinine stuff that's going on in this world? Well, it only comes. It only comes at you and I understanding that sometimes persecutions and trials and afflictions have been brought in our life so that they can open the hearts of the lost, so that, so that, so that, verse number 14, in and, and, and Philippians chapter number 1, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold, bold to speak the word without fear. Persecution, trials, and afflictions opens the mouths 
of the believers. See, that's when that that that's when that's when God's called us to open our mouth. I'm always encouraged, like super encouraged by people that tell me that get me to pray with them about somebody they're witnessing to. I'm really encouraged when I see people going through it like crazy and at the same time they're still in the ministry with everything they got in them. Well, what does it do? It gives me strength. It just gives me strength. And and so and and I hope I hope I hope that you can you can find that that same kind of strength. Now, now we're verse 15, we'll read these 15 down through 18. Uh but but we, we don't have time to dive into that much. But the Bible says, the Bible says that some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife. I know that sounds crazy. Um, some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add, to my, uh, add affliction to my bond, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for a defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preaching, I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. So he's not worried about the motive behind the gospel being preached. He's just glad it's being preached. But in this, this last one, um, joy is found in understanding our purpose in life. So joy is found in understanding um, our perspective in life. Uh, and, and, then, and joy is found in understanding our purpose in life. Our purpose in life. Verse number 19, he says, For I know this, uh, that this shall turn my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. Whether it be by life or by death. I, I want to say, and I'm not going to read all of them because we're going to hit them in just a second. But it's likely that me and you have misunderstood some things. It's likely that me and you have misunderstood life. It's likely that we were aiming at something that wasn't even on the target. Well, what is the target now? Well, Paul says it like this. So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body. That Christ shall be magnified in my body. Uh, Romans 14, I, I think it's in your notes there. Romans 14 verse 8, For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are, we are the Lord's. Okay? Now, now, when I talk about purpose, everybody seems to be talking about purpose and all this stuff and self-help, psycho babble. But what needs to be seen when I'm talking about purpose and cultivating purpose is the direction of your heart now. The direction of your heart now will directly impact what your purpose is. So, uh, Brother Mark, you say it. Wherever your feet are pointed is where they're going to take you to. 
Be careful where your feet's pointed. Be careful where your heart's pointed. So your purpose is directly tied to the position of your heart. Wherever your heart is pointed. Now, the question needs to be asked. Is the center of my life wrapped in magnifying Christ being magnified in my body? Whether it be by life or by death. Now, I want you to see a couple of things. Joy is produced when I know Christ is being magnified even in my death. When I know Christ is being magnified even in my death. Now, now Paul's death is a... Is, is the death that Paul's talking about is, a, is, is probably a death sentence. <laughs> and, and so whoever Paul was in front of, he would not deny Jesus Christ. Whoever he was in front of, it didn't matter what dignitary, it didn't matter, uh, it didn't matter the, the lowest man on the totem pole to the highest man, it did not matter. The apostle Paul would not deny Jesus Christ. In regards, uh, and, and, and they knew that, but, but in regards to death for you and me, we operate on a, on, a, on a daily basis in how we view our own life. So, so how, how do I magnify, practically, how do I magnify the Lord through my death? How do I magnify the Lord through my death? Well, I, I want you to look at some things. Uh, one, you reconcile your death as gain. You reconcile your death as gain. Look, 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 look what look what the Bible says. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So you reconcile your death is gain. Now the world sees death as a total loss. How many of you understand that? That the world mourns like I don't mourn at funerals, especially for saved people. It's almost a hard thing for me uh, to mourn the loss of a, of a saved person. I'm not saying that the, the, the loss of their presence wouldn't be bad. It'd probably be way, it'd probably be way different. Something must happen to one, uh, uh, one of my people's I live with in my house. But I go to an average person's funeral and I know they have a testimony of salvation. Why? Because there's a part of me that understands that, that death is the ultimate game. The world sees it as loss. Why? Because it's all they have. This world is all they have. When they stop breathing, all they have is this. And if that's what you're living for, when you stop breathing, it all stops. And you're chancing that you're going to live a long life. You're chancing that you're going to live an average age of 70, 75 years old. I mean, if I make it 75 years old, I'll feel like a pretty lucky dude. But you're chancing that, and, and, and I want to say, the, the world's ways, they're only monetary ways. They're only temporal ways. Now, I will say, the world is making a little bit of a shift to where they have finally figured out that having relationships with people are worth more than money. But they're only on the tip of the iceberg that God already said that was the truth. James 4, it's in your... It's in your 
It's in your notes. Whereas you know not what, what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's even as a vapor. It appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. First Peter chapter 1, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth, thereof fadeth away. 1 John 2 and verse 17, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Psalm 39 and verse 5, Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, a width of a hand, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Ecclesiastes says it like this, Verse two, uh, chapter two, verse eleven. Then I looked on all the works that uh, that my hands had wrought, all the things that Solomon's hands had wrought, and all uh, and, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Man. What a perspective that you and I could get that reckon, that when we reconcile our death as the ultimate gain and, and not a loss. For the lost man or the lost woman that's never been born again, it is total loss. Why? Well, because it ends in a lake of fire. So how do I, how do, how do, I can give you another one. How do I magnify the Lord through my death? I have a desire, not, not only do I, do I reconcile death is gain, but I have a desire to leave this world. I have a desire to leave this world. Look at verse 23. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. <laughs> Boy, ain't that the truth. They had a desire to leave this world. Okay, uh, I, 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 how many of you remember us going through Colossians chapter number 3? Anybody remember that? That was a big deal for a long time. I felt like we was there for six months. But, but let's, let's practically set these verses back up to the tune of, of what it looks like to walk on earth like you're already in the presence of God. That's what Colossians 3 is. It looks like you're walking on earth while you're already in the presence of God. He says, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where God, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. You don't know why most people find no joy in thinking about heaven? Anybody, anybody have a clue? You know why most people think I have no joy when they think about heaven? Because they can't think about anything but leaving this world. You see, what God is doing when He's commanding me and you to set our affections on things above, He's getting us ready to leave. He's not doing that to, to, to get you where you ain't going to He's getting us ready. Because here's what's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of people that's going to get to heaven and they're going to be really uncomfortable. They're going to be uncomfortable. Why? Well, first thing they're going to do is walk into the judgment seat of Christ as unprepared as they can possibly be. They're like, oh man, nobody told me this was real. Well, what are we doing? 
What's this guy doing? He's standing there in front of Jesus. Jesus is, is, is measuring out the, the wood, hay, and stubble. And the gold, silver, and precious stone. I, I, I didn't know we was taking exams today. Yeah, yeah, it was in there. You just wouldn't pay attention. Class was given and you wouldn't pay attention. What happens is the things they're seeking and the affections of their heart are set to a land that they've gotten comfortable in and the land that they're going to go to ain't going to be good for that comfortable state. It's crazy. We do everything we can to live longer in this nut house. And don't get me wrong, I've got a few really carnal motives to working out. One of them is I just enjoy the fact of, of having a little bit of strength as I get older. The other one, I, you know, I, I want to make sure, i got three girls, and I want to make sure that any one of those males that rolls up in there knows that if it goes to blows, I'm going to pull out the old man strength. You know what I mean? I mean... I ain't looking to fight, and I'm not trying to be a brawler and all that, but, you know, I mean, push comes to shove over my house. I mean, it's just what you got to do, especially when you got three girls. Now, boys, you know, you might have to whoop them too, but, hey, that's a different story altogether too. But make no doubt about it. My desire to, to live a longer life is only tied to seeing, maybe seeing my kids get married. Maybe seeing a grandkid or two. It ain't got nothing to do with this place. It ain't got anything to do with this place. And let me give you this next one. Because we're almost out of time. How do I magnify the Lord through my death? Uh, you have a longing for the person of Christ. Verse 23, he, he says at the last part of that, and to be with Christ, which is far better. And to be with Christ, which is far better. To be with the person of Jesus Christ. See, here's how this goes. You spend time with the person of Jesus Christ here on this planet. You know what you'll do? You'll desire to do it on a completely different level. On a completely different level. Man, do they go to like 810 over there now? Okay, all right, let's, let's, let's do this last one. Uh, number two, joy is produced when I know Christ is being magnified by my life. Joy is produced when I know Christ is being magnified by my life. How, how, do, how do I magnify Christ in my life? All right, so let me give you these and, and we'll be done. How do I magnify, oh, we got a baby on loose, y'all. How do I magnify Christ in my life? All right, you ready for this? By viewing your life as Christ. All right, you track with me? How do I magnify Christ in my life? By viewing your life as Christ. Look at verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So the question is this. What is your life about? What is the story of your life? Who is the story of your life about? This is what Paul's dealing with. What makes your life what it is? 
What defines you? What, what, is, what is who you are? Paul's saying, my life, for me to live, is Christ. Philippians, in the same, uh, in the, in the same book, chapter 2, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Well, what did, what did Jesus Christ seek? Well, there's three times in the Bible uh, you find Jesus seeking something. He, he, in, in, in Luke 13, verse 7, he's seeking fruit. In John 5 and verse 30, he's, he's seeking not his own will, but the will of the Father. And then Luke 19, the most popular one, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Three times he's seeking. Now, they're all the same thing. Make no doubt about it. They're all the same thing. The will of the Father and fruit and seeking uh, uh, to save that which They're all the same things. But this is who Jesus was. This is what Jesus saw. And so Paul's asking the question. Paul's dealing with in, in, in the context of the scripture. Man, listen, for me to live is Christ. What, what, what is living? living? Living is Christ. What is that? Well, it's not living for Christ. It's not living for Christ. Well, what is it? It's Christ living through you. It's not living for Christ. You're not going to do anything for Jesus Christ. You're, the, the biggest load that they ever sold us was that we can do anything for Christ. No, it's we do everything through Christ. Okay, uh, Galatians 2 and verse 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me so how do I magnify Christ in my life by viewing my life as Christ but then by laboring for fruit but if I live in the flesh this is the fruit of my labor if I live in the flesh this is the fruit of my labor yet what shall I uh, yet what shall choose uh, yet what I shall choose I want not so he says, if I live in the flesh, I'm going to get the fruit of the flesh. Does that make sense? Okay, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you this last one. And this is, this is a good one. How do I magnify Christ in my life? By stopping your selfishness. By stopping your selfishness. Quit being selfish. Christ is magnified in your life when you quit being a me monster. Stop worrying about your stinking self all the time. You say, I can't quit worrying about myself. And you're never going to be happy. You're never going to have any joy. It's never going to work. Your life is going to be so unfulfilled and you're going to run around here acting like a total goon the rest of your life because all you're worried about is getting your due. Getting what's coming to you. Getting your right. Getting everything. From here on out, that's the way it's going to be. Look what he says. Verse 24. Excuse me. Look, let me. Look at verse 23. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better, you ready? Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh, you ready? Look at this, is more needful for who? 
for you. I, I got this overwhelming desire to go to where Jesus is, but it's more needful for you, for me to be here. Where? Where's here right now? Anybody got remember where we started this thing? Where are we at right now? Where are we pinning this letter down from? Prison. He says, it's more needful for me to be in this prison for you. Let me ask you a question. Is there, is there anybody in this room you'd go to prison for? That's what the gospel's about. I know this. Ridge is the only one of my kids that had professed salvation. I'd go to prison in a second. And suffer in the bonds of Christ if I thought that was going to bring him to Jesus Christ. That's the same thing. That's the same heart that Paul has for people in Philippi. Look, look what he says about it. having this confidence. I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for the furtherance and the, the joy of faith. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming again. You see, here it is. Great joy is produced in the heart of a believer in doing what God has called us to do. We'll close on this one. I know, I know the youth group just went over it. Girls told me about it last week. That God's called us to win, to build, and to sin. John 17. That's what God's called us to do. To win and to build and to sin. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Apostle Paul's literally preaching and encouraging young Timothy. And he said, And the things that thou hast heard, Heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The most selfish people on the planet. You ready? They're the most miserable people on the planet. You find somebody that's consumed with themselves and you know what you're going to find? You're going to find depression. You're going to find dread. You're going to find anxiety. Why? Because they're more worried about themselves than they are their neighbor. Amen, sister. All right, I'm going to pray. Let's go. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for loving us. Good to us and faithful. And, and Lord, I pray tonight, God, that you help us to see, uh, Lord, that there is, there is a path to joy. And it comes at the expense of the gospel. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you help as, uh, Lord, you, you, you've used this thing so far in my own life. And I pray, God, that you keep using it. I pray, God, that you keep working it in Jesus' name. Amen.